Welcome to the One in Five of Us Changing the Mental Health Landscape podcast. We are working to stop the stigma and start the conversation about mental health. One in five people will experience a mental health condition, but it takes on average eight to 10 years for someone to seek treatment. Hi, I'm Nancy Miller, the founder and executive director of One in Five, and I'm thrilled to host this podcast to help educate our community around mental health and wellness and to empower you to start the conversation. And I'm Kayla Wood, the social media specialist at One in Five. Together, we can stop the stigma and start the conversation. You belong here. We belong together. I'd like to welcome Ann Kelly to our show today. Ann is the mother of three kids and has worked alongside her kids to help them navigate the mental health system here in Cincinnati. Today, we're going to be talking about her experiences trying to help her kids and how she has had difficult conversations and what she's learned along the way. And thanks for being here today. Good morning. Uh, The first question I'm going to ask is, can you give us a little background on um, how old your kids are and what kind of mental health knowledge um, you had prior to moving through the mental health system? Sure. So um, we have three children, um, ages 25, 23, and 20. And um, we had uh, substantial experience in the mental health uh, system because their dad had been diagnosed many, many years ago. So we, we were made familiar with um, practitioners and support systems, resources for adult mental health care. Um, and we are blessed in the city of Cincinnati to have uh, tremendous resources. So um, as we started to navigate um, the, uh, the system for children, we, we realized that there are different um, practitioners, different paths, different um, providers. And so we were able to, um, through, primarily through a Children's Hospital, find our way and navigate, navigate the system. So when you're looking back, um, were there questions that you, you had had more of a you had more knowledge of, than the normal person, but as a parent, are there things that um, parents should ask as they're starting to navigate that system that you could impart? I, th- I think it, uh, it goes to parsing out the differences between normal teenage behavior and what is truly a mental health issue. And for us, we, we didn't initially recognize signs because we were passing it off as situational. It was immaturity. We, we would, um, particularly in the high school years, there's just so much going on with, with kids and their, their stability and, and, and um, ability to, to grow through um, social and academic challenges. So um, what, what we learned um, through the, 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 the practitioners and, and the, the resources for children is their signs and symptoms are different uh, than adults. And so we had to become more fluent in recognizing those signs and symptoms. And that's not just a one-time event where you uh, diagnose and treat. It, it's an ongoing um, management of signs and symptoms throughout a person's life if they have a, a mental health condition and being uh, aware and sensitive to those g- 
gives you the, the ability to um, maintain that stability and bring in resources, professionals, when things start, quote unquote, going off the rails and before it becomes a, a crisis situation. So part of our mission here at One in Five is to break down that stigma that surrounds mental health, because we know that it is a big barrier for people to seek help and treatment. So one question we wanted to ask is, how do you define mental health? And what would you say to that person that still subscribes to this idea that people should just get over it or you know think better thoughts or that needing help is weak or a weakness or something like that? I take the opportunity um, to try and educate people and I'm all about the science and making sure that people understand that this is a, a brain disorder and can't be um, something that you willfully uh, buck up and get over. And my favorite analogy is to uh, a diabetic. That is a physical condition that one needs to treat with not just medication, but lifestyle changes, diet, et cetera, in order to manage their, their condition. And making people understand that you cannot um, categorize a mental health issue as somebody's um, character flaw. It, it, is, it is so offensive um, to me when people uh, go down that path. And so always trying to go back to the science of it and making sure that they understand that um, people don't wish this on themselves. And this is not um, a, 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 a person's um, ability to um, overcome it uh, on their own. And so, and, and telling stories, and one in five is tremendously good at that. And I've learned how to tell my story um, in a way that is non-confrontational. Because I, I find it, as I said, I use the word offensive. I have to dial myself back a little bit and, and remember that not everybody's had the opportunity um, and, and the benefit of my experience and I need to help them understand it through my lens. I, I like what you said about kind of using the, the science behind it because that's, that's a very logical and easy way for people to understand something that they maybe don't understand. You just give them the facts, be straightforward and it's kind of hard to argue with the facts. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and um, the the science, the neuroscience, has come so far, and um, the ability to look at a brain through functional MRI and understand what exactly is going on inside that gray matter um, really should be um, the basis on which we try and help people appreciate um, the the condition. Um, you know, we, we have, a, we have a, a dual challenge in that um, a person's mental health also um, affects their emotional state and their ability to enter into relationships and, and maintain relationships. And that's when it becomes hard for people to understand because they think the person is willfully behaving in ways that they should be able to manage when in fact it is, it's a a brain function that's causing them to behave in ways that um, are, are out of their, their normal behaviors, which is sort of a segue to one of the other things that I know we wanted to talk about this morning, which is a, a person's um, ability to maintain stable relationships is, is, a, is a key indicator in 
my experience of whether a person is mentally healthy, healthy and stable. And when, when that starts to get off track and it is different from historically how a person has, has been able to maintain those relationships, I think is, is, is a, a sign and a symptom that a parent should never um, ignore and should reach out to counseling or other professionals to help understand what those, what's going on, what are those dynamics. So playing off of that, um, talk a little bit about when you started to notice something was going on with your kids. What were the flags that you noticed? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna admit that um, I had ignored many signs and symptoms of my daughter's um, high school years. She was a high achieving um, academic student. She was um, successful in athletics. She had a large circle of friends. And so she was she, the, the, the golden child had it, had it all going. And she, she worked off of high energy, high um, anxiety to spur her, herself to, to, to this high level of achievement. And I, I have a tendency for those kinds of things. And so I thought, well, with maturity, she will learn to manage and, and maintain her, her, herself in, in a more stable way and still be successful. And it wasn't until um, she finished her freshman year in college that it became evident to us that her symptoms had become debilitating. She was no longer able to, her, she was evidence of disordered thinking. She was struggling to have um, maintained stable relationships. She was unable to actually go out and function in a, in, a, in a way that she had always been able to function. So we entered into um, some treatment with a just a internal medicine doc thinking it was a situational issue that could be treated with what we thought was a simple antidepressant and she was treated for that. They increased her dosage, and unfortunately, the diagnosis wasn't correct, and um, she had a severe reaction to the medication, and it turned into a crisis. And that crisis led us into an acute care setting, which then became really our blessing because we had a team of professionals who came in, uh, did, did you know, thorough analysis and history, and was able to identify what the, the underlying uh, causes and, and illness were and put us on a, a, a treatment plan that um, four years out um, has been just tremendously successful. So um, I, I, I would say to parents, I, I ignored signs and symptoms and here I've had all the benefit of experience with, my, um, with their dad, but as I had said earlier, the signs and symptoms of kids and mental health is different from adults. And so um, if you have any sense as a parent that things are not right, you know, reach out to the experts. There's, there's no harm in having the, those conversations. And if they are able to um, allay your fears and say, yep, this looks like typical high school behavior, then that's great. But if you're ignoring signs and symptoms that could lead to, in our case, a pretty um, uh, crisis 
filled um, event, I would I would say uh, if I could turn back, back the clock, I would certainly do it differently. Well, I think that one thing that you talked about, um, the relationship piece is so critical that, that is a, that's something to really pay attention to. Can someone maintain healthy relationships? Another thing we talk about a lot is, is that there's a, there's a change in their behavior. So it's they're sleeping more, they're sleeping less, they're gaining weight, they're losing weight, they're having risky behavior, those kinds of things, things that are out of their normal personality that they start to, that you start to notice. Did you notice anything like that when you look back? Absolutely. We have come to understand, and I think neuroscience is um, coming to the fore on this, and that is sleep hygiene. And teenagers are terrible, right? They go to bed late, they have to go to school early, their, their sleep is disrupted, and it, you pass it off as, well, that's just a normal teenager. Well, as it turns out, not only in teenagers, but in adults, sleep pattern is very indicative of your underlying mental health status. And if um, I reflect on those years, um, I should have recognized that, that those were unhealthy behaviors and they were extreme. And, you know, we, we all are um, aware of these high um, performing, high expectation high schools where, Kids are going on you know, four hours of sleep because they're they're studying so hard and they're in athletics, so they're, they're they don't get to sit down and do their homework until late in the evening and well into the morning hours. And so um, sleep is is one thing, and um, in our case, uh, weight was another issue where uh, the the lack of um, eating should have been. Uh, uh, a sign, but again, teenage girls all want to be that thin and they think that's a healthy look. And um, so we pass that off as well as, as teenage behavior. But when it starts to become extreme, and I think that's, that, that's the hard fine line to think about is, is it, 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 is it a reflection of the norm or is it really off, um, off norm, um, not only for your child's history, but just if you look at a general population, is, is this normal behavior? That actually kind of leads into the next thing we wanted to talk about, which was um, how would you talk to a parent to mm -hmm. tell them, you know, that this is more than just teen angst, as many people use that term? In terms of seeking out the expert counseling and advice, I think is how you can have somebody help you step out of your immediate situation and is it totally out of out of the, the norm or are we still in the bounds of, of of a teenage set of behaviors and it's so hard when you are a parent and you're so close to the situation you can't really see it and so to to be able to uh, access professionals. And also in our family, we, we have read enormous volumes of information to make ourselves more familiar and aware um, because of our need to, to do that on an ongoing daily basis in recognizing signs and symptoms. But I think it, uh, parents ought to avail themselves of that that knowledge through their own um, reading and understanding but uh, if 
there are any signs and symptoms that you think are, are extreme or are, are veering um, on the extreme. I can't emphasize enough that having a, a professional take a look, and I, I, I don't mean to downplay internal medicine, but our experience was we went to an internal medicine doc and they um, you know, sort of passed it off as, you know, sh she's gonna be fine because on, on the surface, she gave the appearance of having it all together, right? And so, and the situational um, ex experience of going through uh, pre-med track, first year college student, all those things led us to, to believe that it was just, it was just okay. And um, it, it, uh, it wasn't until we had the professionals really help us step back and understand the genetic components of this, the, um, the, uh, the, 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 physiology of what's going on. And once we were able to understand it in that way, we could then open ourselves up to, okay, acceptance, this is, this is the set uh, facts. And now here are the things that we can control and here are the ways in which we can manage lifestyle choices and we can continue to avail ourselves of that mental health set of resources. So playing off of that, when you um, when you're looking at your daughter, what steps did you take to help her um, basically look at her at the long term um, plan for her life? How is she going to live with that mental health condition? What steps did you what did you take to put things into place? Yeah. So the hardest part of all of this is it, it it's it's somewhat heartbreaking when you have to accept that this is a chronic lifelong condition. And we have no cure, but we have all sorts of treatments and the best part of it is so much of it is within our control. And those items that are within our control are those lifestyle choices that I referenced, which are diet, exercise, sleep hygiene, and some component of emotional uh, spiritual um, um, uh, self-awareness and um, with with those in our control it's amazing how the, the 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 dynamic shifts from feeling like a victim to this is what life is you know dished up for me and I'm gonna take it on and I'm, I'm gonna do what I need to do to uh, maintain a stable healthy life and that when things are becoming more challenging because life life stressors impact our brain health and so when things start to uh, show signs and uh, symptoms we then understand that we need to those things we that we can't control we need the experts to help us control so we mm -hmm. we are in and out of um, our psychiatric um, uh, treatment as it relates to just managing the, the actual uh, physiological brain health. And so that's what we do, and it's a daily uh, challenge. Um, but um, we are lucky in that uh, the science has come so far, and we do know, un understand so much more, and um, the ability to have some control is, in any life situation, um, makes you 
able to accept and, and take it on as a challenge as opposed to just feeling like a, a victim. It's long-term. It's something that you're going to do the rest of your life to keep yourself healthy. And you know what? It's a good excuse now to be able to uh, take on um, nutrition as a, uh, we, we, we look at nutrition as uh, we laugh because right, teenagers are, and young adults, their uh, food choices aren't always, uh, skyline isn't the best choice. However, you have to understand and, and moderate and uh, be sure that you're getting your food, fruits and vegetables and um, managing um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you, you, you take it on as, as a challenge. Yeah. It's uh, in the reality is if when you, you make all those life choices, you're so much healthier than the majority of people um, around you. Um, That's right. You're so much more grounded. You understand yourself so much more because the, the majority of people out there aren't really paying attention to those things. Um, yeah. And so from a long-term standpoint, you're in a much better position. That's right. Healthy lifestyle in college, as we all know, is not the easiest thing to do. Um, so, uh, as uh, as uh, my daughter moves into this next phase, by the way, I have to be the proud mother. She uh, has uh, made her application to medical school and has gotten all of the recommendations and all of the uh, pieces of the puzzle together to um, very um, hopeful that. Uh, she's accepted and uh, she's got a gap year coming up uh, in Boston with city year and so she's very excited about that so I, I of course I'm the proud mom but I, I also say that because this is clear evidence that a, a, you know a serious mental health condition can be managed and to mm -hmm. a great extent overcome and lead a, a very happy healthy life that's awesome that's awesome you've done a great job well, thank you. It's, uh, of course, I, I live it, so it's not too hard to, <laughs> to share it. Well, the thing that I, even now, just, you know, being in this um, COVID pandemic period is, um, is raised a lot of new issues um, and continuing to check in with your children to make sure that they're, that, you know, the, the things that they were doing before, they a lot of them can't be done now. And so what are you doing instead of what you were doing before to stay healthy and um, asking lots of hard questions? What are you feeling? How is this impacting you? And just being very, very honest about where they are and what they need. Yeah, your, your word, honesty, it is very hard for some, um, and I'm going to put myself in that category, I've always been my children's greatest cheerleader. And so delivering tougher words and, and advice and counsel doesn't come naturally to me as it relates to my children. Um, in professional world, I'm, I'm pretty good at <laughs> going for it. But <laughs> um, in, in my family relationships, it, it's been tougher. And so um, actually, Nancy, as you speak those words, you, you are a role model for us in how you've um, effectively parented your children um, throughout their um, life. But now as we enter into the young adult phase where um, mom is, uh, mom's role has shifted from being um, the caregiver to more of a, a, an advisor and, and walking again another fine line of how much do you counsel before you 
um, become um, overstepping your your role. So I'm 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 in that phase right now, trying to figure out how best to do that. Well, the thing that I when when we talk to a lot of um, teachers and we talk to parents, the one thing that comes up continually is I'm afraid to have the conversation. I'm afraid I'm going to do it wrong. And what I always say to people are, are you human? Do you have a heart? Can you listen? Can you ask the question of, I'm concerned about you and then shut up. Just listen to what the person has to say. Don't try to fix it. Don't be judgmental and just be there for them. Oh, come on, Nancy. We're all the fixers. Come on. <laughs> I know. And that's the problem because a lot of times like my my 28-year-old reminds me of that all the time. I'm talking to you because I need to talk to someone, but don't try to fix this. Right. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? This forum, as we're now um, having this um, uh, just general conversation, one of the things we need to encourage parents to do is find a peer group that um, can be um, informed because... Mm -hmm. Casual groups can sometimes take things in places that are uninformed, and we don't want that. But um, finding through um, organizations like One in Five and other uh, community-based resources to have a place to share and exchange um, our, our our ideas, our, our challenges, our, our fears, etc. I think. Um, having this conversation just now is helping me remind me that I'm not an island and that I, I should be reaching out to, um, to others. Right. And the work that one in five does in the schools is our, we're laying the groundwork for future generations to be in the mindset that you just described in me. We, mm -hmm. when we grew up, it was, you, you know, you, you put your crazy aunt in the closet, right? That whole skeleton in the closet thing. And now we're teaching our young people about how it is acceptable to talk about, uh, you know, a whole host of choices in our lives, um, in relationships. We have uh, the ability to embrace and accept others in ways that, when we, when Nancy and I were growing up, it just didn't have those conversations. Right. If you were a square peg in a round hole, God help you. Right. Mm -hmm. And now there is, and it warms my heart when I talk to my millennial kids, um, their acceptance on racial questions, for example, and uh, the uh, you know interracial marriage in in our day was just so taboo, and now it's like nobody even thinks about it. And so um, I think. The work that we do with one in five is in the mental health field and educating that new generation will, will lead us to a whole new level of understanding as well as acceptance. So keep, keep at it, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anne, thank you for being with us today and for giving some insight to parents as they walk this journey with their children. We greatly appreciate all that you do. You're doing an outstanding job. Keep up the good work. Uh, and, and to you too, uh, Nancy, we, we uh, hold you in high regard for uh, the life work that you've chosen to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about this episode, you can check out our show notes and access additional information on our website at 1n5.org. We ask that you please subscribe, rate, 
write a review, or share this podcast with anyone you think may be interested in hearing more about how we're changing the mental health landscape. Again, I'm Nancy. And I'm Kayla. And we hope you'll join us next time when we continue our discussion on how to have a conversation with your child around mental health. We'll be talking with pediatric psychologist, Dr. Anne Louise Lockhart, founder, president, and owner of A New Day Pediatric Psychology, PLLC. See you then. You belong here. We belong together.